Around Comics, Episode 82. Comics, a roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I'm joined, as always, by the co-host of the show, Mr. Brian Salazar. Hello once again. And Mr. Tom Caters. Hi. Hi. Jeez, yeah, Tom, you okay? No, I'm tired. It's been hard on it's you this month. On Tax season. Tax season. season's tough. But hey, that, listen, I have a job. There's a lot of people out there that don't have jobs. <laughs> this so, is true. So that I'm not going to whine too be, much. Yeah, be happy for that. Yeah. Well, it's we like, have arms too. There's a lot of people out there that don't have arms, and you know, so don't feel so bad. I felt bad until I walked and I saw the two guys that work that intersection, like for money. Like one guy asked for money from people coming one way, and one guy asked for money coming the other way, and I thought, you know, I don't have it so bad. The guy out there they're working longer the guy hours out there than me. Today had an attitude. I saw him like looking at people, going like, "What the? He's, like giving what me gestures like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I am homeless. Well, they work long hours too. I got <laughs> being homeless is a twenty-four hour a day job. <laughs> I got hit up at a drive-through for by a homeless guy. I was at a Portillo's. Industrious. And, yeah, the dude comes up with his kid on his shoulders. Oh no! Ask. I gave him money. I'm like, yeah, okay. If I can't, you know, I'm stuck at oh, a drive-through. Drive I mean, oh, yeah. scam. I thought he was drive-through homeless. They used to wait at the Burger King on Irving, like uh, <laughs> ready to like spring out on you because there was like in this the bushes. little nook they could hide back in <laughs> and they'd wait and like peek and as, as soon as you got your food they knew you might stop at the trash can to like throw some <laughs> stuff in there and this guy would just appear and no this was before I'm in I got I placed my order and then like the next guy up <laughs> you got your, walks you got up. your money out <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly I was just like yeah. drive through begging I, it was strange but Nice. Okay, enough of that. Let's uh, let's introduce our guest. Uh, He is the president of Devil's Due Publishing, Mr. Josh Blaylock. Hello, world. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for coming by on on a Friday night. You took the the long drive all the way from uh, DDP. Yeah, I know. uh, Probably should have walked, but I'm a comic book creator and lazy, so. (laughs) (laughs) Drove on over the four blocks. Well, this is one of our Comics 101 episodes. I'd like to make any apologies for anything that's happened while other Devils Do people have been here before. (laughs) Seeley was fairly well-behaved. He stepped on my foot. We never had to edit so much because of his... Some would say crazy views on politics <laughs> in this country. <laughs> no. and, you, and you know, Crank saved us last week. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, we, yeah. we we had uh, some major technical difficulties and uh, so <laughs> major. Yeah, I forgot my power cord for my laptop, was, so yeah. I couldn't record. <laughs> Can't turn on the recording <laughs> device. That's major. Problem. So we so we called up uh, Crank and and he was like, "Yeah, come he on said, over. We have beer." Yeah, that yeah. was it. Mm-hmm. We have beer. He's like, we, All right, he did have over. to put pants on, so <laughs> it was an inconvenience. We had but to meet him halfway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I said, well, you know, crank. This isn't going to be a big inconvenience. I mean, we're bringing like five people over to your house. He's like, well, I do have to put pants on. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wish you would have put a shirt on. Though. 
Uh, <laughs> well, we will be we will be talking Zoom about. Rings. Uh, he wants to show them off. Uh, this week, we're talking about how to create comics all the way from concept <clears> to <throat> comic shops. We're going to get to that in just a moment, but first, I want to let you know that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by Borders. Your heart pounds, your palms sweat, the tension is nearly unbearable. And then you spot it, the graphic novel you've been searching for everywhere, right here in your local Borders. Borders has thousands of manga and graphic novels. In fact, you'll find exactly what you're looking for and discover unexpected new authors and series simply by visiting Borders. Save on your favorite graphic novels, manga, and more. Click on the Borders banner on Around Comics for a 20% off coupon. Check Borders first. Find a store near you at www.borderstores.com or use the Borders store locator at aroundcomics.com. Absolutely. Thank you to the fine folks at Borders. Thank you to the fine folks at Dark Tower. Would that be Mark? Fine folk. 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 Fine folk. I don't know if he's really a folk, though. He's, I don't know what he is. Oh he's a Cub fan. Around Comics is recorded every Friday at 7 o'clock at Dart Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by. We would love to meet you. While you're here, remember to ask about Dart Tower's Polis membership. It's one of the best you'll find anywhere. Dart Tower has a great selection of mainstream comics, independent comics, and trades, as well as statues and action figures. And come a, to, a come sweet to Dart. rocketeer helmet All that Mark just right. got in. Should, I think we should it wouldn't call, fit my fat head. I think we should call Mark Cousin Marky to make him more lovable. <laughs> that was actually mine. I, I wear that when I drive. <laughs> it's pretty nice. It's a sweet you helmet. stand for my helmet? Chris had it on earlier today. <laughs> yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to get pictures of uh, me Tom in it. Wouldn't fit. Well, anyway, come um, into uh, Dark Tower Comics for all of your comics and Rocketeer helmet needs. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this episode is another installment of our Comics 101 series. It's our chance to both learn for ourselves and help educate others on different aspects of the comics world. This week, we're looking at the process of creating comics, from the beginning concept to writing, editorial, art, printing, marketing, and finally distribution. Here in Chicago, we are lucky to be the home of one of the success stories in independent comic publishing. Devil's Due Publishing was formed in 1999 as both a commercial art studio and a small press comic book publisher. It didn't take long for the company to shift all focus onto comic books and quickly became one of today's top ten comic book powerhouses. And today, DDP is here. Well, Josh Blaylock from DDP is <laughs> he here. Is DDP. <laughs> That's what he asked us to call yeah. him. <laughs> uh, to, and he's here to help guide us through Comics 101, How to Make Comics Concept to Comic Shops. So... I have to confess, I don't have a clue what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> it's all been luck. This has all been a lie. So less, <laughs> lesson this number is one. actually an expose I wanted, to, I wanted to unveil that to everybody. <laughs> you know, I, t- I, I took that description right off your website. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I did know that. That's just, As you were reading it, I went, oh, crap, I hope that was up to date. <laughs> <laughs> Top ten. Top nine now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, I guess the, the first place to start, I would assume, in, and we're going to walk through creating a comic. We're not going to look at, at you know comics in general or starting a, a publishing company, but a single comic. And I would assume that in some way that comes from the pitch, as, as people like to, to call it. Whether it's internal or external, it starts with a pitch. Yeah. Actually, I, it's good that you bring that up first because... Uh, in when I that's in the book I wrote, I'll do my plug the sell, how to self publish comics, mm-hmm. not just create them. Uh, no, that is something that I called it the hook, in the same thing. Um, that it's it's amazing how many pe- and I'm guilty of it myself in the past. How many people go forward with a project 
without figuring out what the bare bones, simple, you know, one sentence, two sentence pitch for their their idea is. You know, what is it that sets your idea apart from everything else that's going to make it better than, you know, in, in not that you're saying you're the you have the best thing in the world, but you should feel strongly about it. And if there's a stack of other ideas there, what's the bare essence of your your concept that makes it you know stand out from those? When you're when you're looking at submissions from people, I mean, is that really the easiest thing that they can do yeah. to try and make something yeah. stand out? Is have a good pitch, to yeah. have a good first sentence, you know, that describes the book? Definitely, yeah. I mean, especially if especially if you're just a writer. I mean, you know, if you send a, a script to an editor or uh, any any anyone who's busy, <laughs> you send, if you send them something that's a you know a bunch of words, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna sit on the desk forever. You know right. I mean? That's why uh, you know uh, Devil's Dues wrapped by William Morris Agency, and you know once we got in with them, they'd start sending all these movie screenplays over. Like, yeah, you know, we want you to have a meeting with this guy, and we just want to let you see some of the stuff he's done. Here's a, here's a screenplay. It's like. That's 175 <laughs> fucking pages. I don't, you know, I mean, it's not a comic. Cool. It's a, it's a, it's if a novel. I got nothing to do one day, maybe I'll sit there and read some of it. But I mean, you know, as far as uh, trying to get something published, it's I need hard an to, overview. Yeah. You know, let me know just the basic overview of something if you want us to look at. It. I mean, if they're just sending it to us to let us know what the person's done before, that's cool. But if they want us to actually read it, um, I didn't mean to single them out because the guy that we have there, Scott's doing a kick-ass job for us. He's amazing. But I just using that as an example of. Anyone who sends a, uh, concepts in, you know, if they don't send a, first off, a brief synopsis that's like a couple sentences telling you what the idea is, then after that, a basic overview of the whole more complex story, you know, it's it's it'll probably get read eventually, but it's going to be a while. Um, so moving on a little bit, and uh, we can always go back to the pitch, but I, I, moving on to the, sort of the overview, one of the things that I read somewhere or heard somewhere about an overview um, when you're writing that is you you're, you need to write that with sort of full disclosure, correct? I mean, telling people, telling the editor, telling you know whoever you're submitting it to exactly what's happening in the story. You're not writing it as, you know, they're, like you're trying to entice them to read it as much as you're trying to explain exactly what is going on in this story from from beginning to end in a very concise manner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you do want to grip them. I mean, you want to you want to make them interested the same way that because they know if it pulls them in, then it's probably going to pull other people in. So you know, if um, it's like <laughs> this is about a potato that wears pajamas, you know, and it's like, oh my god, that's brilliant. Tom, write that down. You know, <laughs> did you someone else send that in? <laughs> no, that's that, that's. That's a free idea. <laughs> anyone, Everyone, can, anyone, anybody can have that. Rick has well, come up with the pitch for how potato. Potato wearing underwear. All right, start. I want internet phenomenon. Start that tomorrow. In, in, a, in, an average, in an average month, whether it be from you know external pitches that are you know unsolicited or pitches from internal staff or you know from um, you know the, the company that, that sends you scripts, how many pitches do you get in an average month? Uh. I don't know. It could really depend. I'm going to guess, on average, like 10. I mean, it could be 20-something one month. It could be, like, just a few could trickle in in a month. It's hard to say because a lot of times all kinds of things come through the submissions. And they actually do come to us. We do see them. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it could be someone wanting to do pencils, someone who's a colorist or an inker. It could be someone who has an original idea they want to get published. Um, 
I got one today that I just saw for a second. I mean, I'm not the one specifically that looks at all of them all the time, but they do come to me so I can at least check them out. So if I see something that jumps out at me, I can be like, hey, let's take a closer look at that one. Um, somebody said, yeah, I'm a longtime aspiring comic book person and you know, comic book creator, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I have this character that I made up, and I want to know if, how I could get them published. It's like, you know... <laughs> It's, it's you know, it might be sound kind of brutal to some people, but it's like you know, you're you're you got to go do your own research and your own knowledge and learn about the industry on your own and learn enough and you know listen to things like this, learn about how the process works before you go submit something because you know I'll just give you a clue that's not how it works. You don't say, oh, I made up a character. Well, I think <laughs> I'm you know, the only person in the world that's done that before, and. Uh, I think uh, that's, uh, you know, it's funny, I talked to uh, Mike Norton, we were talking about sort of that same thing, it was like, before the internet, it was so difficult to know what, you know, I was an aspiring comic book artist when I was younger, Um, I didn't even know what what a comic book page looked like until I was probably in my 20s, you know, I had never actually seen one printed, and, and I think so many people have no concept of what you know what to submit or how to submit or what it's supposed to look like you know whether it's a script or whether it's penciled pages and there doesn't there's no format there's no one format especially it's, for like a script it's ironic because back then it was harder but you still could find it out if you were serious about it you know so now in a way it's kind of like you know what there's no excuse for now, not knowing you have absolutely no excuse well you should go out and buy if how you're to self publish comics wanting <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pullboxonline.com and download it. Damn it, it didn't exist then. <laughs> oh, is it, only is it available for download. At, at yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm a member there, so I should do that. <laughs> How much is it online? Uh, I'll look it up. We stumped. I'll look it up in a you second. Know, I, I don't know. Well, we I, can I, find I t- out. And um, what, let's let's try and move on because we could probably talk about pitches and do that as an entire show on how to do a good part pitch. one of an eight parts. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what it's. Well, I be. did well, before we move on real quick. You're and killing I, me. I know, I know, but this is important. Impor- what do you look for in a pitch? What you know kind of stuff gets you excited in a pitch? What has the best chance of... I mean, of honestly, I mean, part of it's subjective. It just has to jump out at us. Out at us. But, uh, you know, if it's something that's been done a thousand times before and it doesn't really stand out from anything else, it's, you know, then it's not going to work. If It's mm-hmm. just got to have some sort of unique twist to it um, combined with the appearance that, okay, this is also going to be... The person's going to be professional... Um, if it's an original pitch with a, a writer and an artist, you know, wanting us to publish something, is that a unique enough idea? Is it professionally packaged? You know, do they look like they're going to be reliable if we produce this? Is their letter written, you know, legibly? Do, do they look <laughs> like they, they, you know, can write higher can. than a fifth grade reading level? And and uh, are they going to be okay to work with? And okay, uh, do that's they seem interesting. Like they have a decent uh, business sense too, because you know, uh, a lot of times. It's kind of a joke, but I mean, the, the better the artist, the crazier they are. You know, I mean, the more amazing their talent is, the more out far, there far, far off they yeah. are from uh, the business. You know, there's a there's a and a good there's a balance lot of you have to have. Amazing yeah. artists out there who just aren't meant for the daily grind. You got the blood stains on the and uh, you know if sometimes you can take it, you can just say you know what we we just acknowledge that's how that person is and we're just gonna get something amazing out of them whenever we can <laughs> but if it's a person you know like and Tim Seeley who's on here a lot is the epitome of a perfect 
Like the guy's amazing, talented, and he, a workhorse. He's in work yeah. every day before everyone else. I mean, yeah. Every day, you know, if I come in at eight fifty-five, he's probably been there for fifteen minutes. You know, what I mean, just <laughs> like clockwork. The shelter closes at six. <laughs> 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 closes at six. Well, one, one more question. I know. Go, I know. I'm sorry, it. but when it comes to pitches. Um, if someone is looking to pitch to you a series, an ongoing series, or uh, you know a mini series, do they need to have that full? You know, if it's an ongoing series, say I, I say I have an idea for an ongoing series, how developed do I need to have it in order to pitch that to you? Um, I would want to see that, you know, couple sentence pitch or that small paragraph pitch of what the basic idea is, um, and then. Then, it, almost like if I was to say, "Here's the packet I'm going to make," you have that pitch, so that someone glances at that. If that jumps out, me personally, if that jumped out at me, then I go, "Okay, I want to know more." Mm-hmm. If I didn't want to know no more, I'd know right away. Okay, I looked at it. I'm not interested. Right. And it, but I did actually look at it versus something that I'm like, "Oh, this is going to take forever to get to." So, if it jumped out at me, then you get to the next stage where it's like, "Okay, let's see the overview." Okay, and then you can read, like, okay, here's issue one through five or whatever it is. You know, here's a brief synopsis of each issue. You know, still brief. Mm-hmm. And that, if that's, you know, lures you in saying, okay, this is a really cool outline. I like the twist and turns they have in there. I like the way it ends. It's a nice, concise package. Um, or, you know, this is just an example of one thing, you know, like a miniseries. Right. Then maybe they're, ironically, like what most people would think the opposite of, the least important thing is at the end it's still important but I don't need to see the whole issue if I like the basic pitch and then I like the overview if there's like five or six pages of a panel to panel breakdown and how you would treat the story that's gonna give me the confidence to call the person up and say okay cool we like this idea um, we like the way you're writing it and we because if we see the the pitch got us to read it the overview showed us that you have the whole story planned out and a few pages show how you could execute mm-hmm. the panel-to-panel, page-by-page breakdown. That that right there tells us, okay, you have the, You're the ability along. to go through with the whole thing, and you've thought it through to the end. So, whereas people do the opposite, um, and they send this break, you know, this whole full script, <laughs> and uh, you don't—that's what you're concerned about. You're like, man, if I sit here and read this for the next hour. And I don't like it. What happens if, like, halfway through it starts to suck and the, or it starts to have, like, all these plot holes and all this stuff? Or or the other extreme is where they send in, like you said, I got a character yeah. that I want to get published. And, uh, How do I do it? I you keep, know, hard, really I keep uh, sticking to the writing part because we're talking about concepts and things. Um, as far as art goes, that that's always easier because it's a classic case of you look at it within less than a second, you know, I like it or I don't. Right. I mean, that, that's as simple as that. And there's thousands of books that you can go read on how to draw, and, and you know, I won't waste anyone's time on that because there's people that wrote much better. Have you? Well, you you have can buy How to Draw Comics by Tim Seeley. <laughs> how, well, available no, at Pullbox. I highly online. recommend, no. <laughs> yeah. It is available at Pullbox, and it's available at retailers everywhere. Uh, yeah, Tim Seeley wrote uh, follow-up to the How to Self-Publish, How to Be a Comic Book Artist, Not Just... How to Be a Comic Book Artist, Not Just How to Draw. And it's all about... Uh, you know what's it like to get up every day and draw? What, what, should the, what kind of paper do you need? What do the what do editors expect you to do? The simple simple things like uh, stay in touch with your editor. You can't go all week and not talk to your editor. Um, 
you know, even if you might be getting up and working 12 hours a day, working on your page, kicking your, you know, busting your ass, but your editor doesn't know that. And you have to acknowledge, too, your editor deals with people every day who are complete slackers <laughs> and are late <laughs> all the time and drive them crazy. And if you don't stay in touch with them, it's just like, you know, not if you're in high school and you don't tell your parents what you're doing and you just you disappear for two days. You might not have been doing doing anything wrong. You might but have been going to come assume home the and worst. see you. But yeah, I mean, yeah. just call and say, "Hey, what's up? Here's what I'm doing. <clears throat> Talk to you later." I mean, you know, he goes into all that kind of stuff that people don't typically write about, and that's what we're trying to do with that whole series as we continue to do more of those. We don't have anything planned right now, but whenever we do a book like that, that's the 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 purpose behind it. Right. Hello, this is Steve Niles, and you are listening to Around Comics. You you have you know let's take a you know kind of a case study here. You you have a pitch, <clears throat> you like it. It's either come from internally or it's been you know a pitch that came from from outside. And you're like, hey, this is this is something we we want to roll with. I I feel like this is going to be you know a, a solid hit for us. What's the next step after you decide to move forward with the project? Uh, pretty much you know, parties. <laughs> Champagne. No, do, do you, at that point, do you, do you like sign, uh, assign an editor to that project? That yeah, you have uh, some. Well, it really depends. Like if it's, and we we run into the thing where we can only publish so many books too. Mm-hmm. But uh, if it's a satellite, I call them satellite studios. If it's a like Lost Squad or Nightwolf mm-hmm. or um, Black <coughs> Harvest. Those are projects where other creators are putting the project together. They're packaging completely. The whole thing. It's all. It's they're they basically handing us. you a disc. Yeah. Here's the comic. And we have to be really concentrated months before that on the marketing of it, and mm-hmm. you know, which goes into the whole. You, the hook goes back to like also you have to have that hook so you know when you're marketing it how you get the word out why this is cool. So you know we're focused on what's going to go into the previews ads. Uh, What's going to go to retailers via physical mailing or or email news blast? What's going to go on? Uh, um, you know, if it's going to be if we feel that through the, uh, the periodical format, through the monthly format, it's going to be okay, so-so sales, but we feel like it's going to be strong as a graphic novel. Then we have to focus on putting material together eight months in advance for the book market. Because you have to advertise to that sure. much, much farther in advance than you have to advertise to the uh, the direct market. Um, so that's the kind of stuff we're thought thinking about, and we're just kind of waiting on the the, the, the finished book. package to come each month, or however regularly it's supposed to come out. And kind of what we toned down our involvement with other a lot of other you know satellite operations because it's. It's really hard to do that shit. I mean, sure. it took us years to learn everything. We're still learning things, and I do pride ourselves on being way more on top of it than than most other companies. And if it takes us so long to do it, you, we're not going to sit. We're not going to be able to sit there and like Clipsnotes version explain it to explain it to some creators that are working on something. You know, you know how much stuff we need and everything. So. We only basically right now. I'm only taking on a creator-owned idea that is very clearly something that I feel I could probably get set up as a film or television property mm-hmm. or video game, and 
or if it's a, a creator that I know is going to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, we we haven't run across that yet, really, where we know it's some huge name creator that's going to sell a bazillion copies of books. So so far, it's been on the film side. Fortunately, I mean, I can say we have the track record that almost everything we've picked up has gotten set up somewhere or is just about to. So as far as once we put that rule in place, um, if it's a something we're doing that's based on one of our books that we're putting out regularly that that we know is one of our you know books that sells, um, then we and it's done in house mm-hmm. and it's making money for the company. That would be like Hackslash would be an example of that, right? Yeah. Well, the first well that Hackslash is a special case. So let's say if it's a GI Joe story or okay. a, you know Sheena or Chucky or any of that stuff, then yeah, there's a Michael Sullivan is the editor on the book. Mark Powers does editing on our uh, fantasy books, and yeah, they're put in place of it, and then you just start the process in motion. They make a they make out their schedule for it. The scheduling is done both on the production side, on publishing side, and on the uh, editorial side. Editorial is concerned about well, first it starts with publishing. Okay, uh, Sam Wells is the assistant publisher. Technically, I'm a publisher, but. Um, he so pretty so much does all the publishing necklace, work. Your giant necklace that says <laughs> publisher. Don't tell anyone about that. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> the first thing he, the publisher is concerned with is, okay, when do these ads need to go to uh, the distributor, to Diamond? Um, how many months in advance are we going to need that? When's the stuff going to need to go to the printer? When are we going to need, uh, you know, all the, the all this stuff done? And then from publishing it goes to editorial and marketing and then Susan Bishop who handles marketing knows okay I'm going to need all this material for ads and for to release previews to and for yeah, previews online stuff review mm-hmm. copies sent out to retailers uh, podcasts podcasts <laughs> yeah everything you know uh, knows that months in advance knows okay I'm going to have to get postcards made to send to Borders and Barnes and Noble and all those guys because uh, you have to work on the, those buyers. Basically, you have like half a dozen buyers that control what's bought in all the chains in the country. Right. So. And why is that? You had mentioned before that that's you have to work on that way in advance. It's just the way the industry works. The, that's yeah. just the way that the yeah. book buying industry. And they're is completely so opposite. You know, comic books. The, <coughs> the the direct market is thousands of retailers, and even though it's far, you need to get it to them far in advance, and that it's usually so much farther than people expect. But. Uh, it's actually not that far in advance. And they do their ordering on pretty much monthly basis. Thousands of people, basis, shorter yeah. span of time, and sure. then you go to the the book market. That's a few people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, controlling the the biggest percentage of that industry. <laughs> and you got to get it to them so far in advance because, you know, if if you're a buyer for for a big chain, you've got hundreds of people sending you stuff telling you what you should buy, what they should buy, and so. You can't wait until you know, right before your book comes out to send it to them. You know, if we've got right now, we're doing uh, the Nye Incidents, which is an alien abduction slash horror story. Um, you know, the concept originally by Whitley Stryber, who Whoa. yeah, he wrote Communion, yeah. scared the hell out of me as a that kid book, with that, that Christopher movie, Walken movie. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> scared the shit out of me for years. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I'll go back to that in a second. That was yeah, this is like full circle for my life. Right now. Uh, we're doing that book, and Whitley Stryber is a hugely popular author. He's he had a number of bestsellers, had things made into film. So there's no reason that graphic novel. This is an original story, originally his idea, based on the. It's being written with another author too. Those um, 
Craig Spector, a horror novelist. But, you know, that should do very well as a graphic novel in the book market, and it should do well as a graphic novel in comic shops, too. Um, and it's going to be serialized as monthly in the comic shops. Uh, but, you know, w- to get that through, you know, to get them to remember it, I mean, you know, we're sending them uh, postcards or, mm-hmm. or just a printout or email blast. Because, <coughs> like you said, they're yeah. getting millions and, you know, who knows how yeah. many. It's just saying, hey, here's the nine incidences by Whitley Stryber from Communion. Just a little blurb, just a right. little postcard. Then, a couple months later, they got to get something else. A couple months later, they're going to get something else. And then our regular, like, we do, like, a quarterly or twice a year, a big uh, catalog we make ourselves of the, uh, we call it the BMU, the Book Market Update, with, it's just all the graphic novels we have coming out. So they can look through that, and they're going to see it again. Uh, meanwhile, the Diamond sales reps are going out to their branches, talking to them. Hopefully, the product's getting pushed, you know. So we have to educate the sales team for the distributors mm-hmm. on that so that they know how to push your product properly. But then you have to turn right around and assume that they're not even going to mention it. Just just because you never know. You just have to assume. You have to think that way. Plan B into action. Yeah. <laughs> then you push that. And then... They're not listening. <laughs> then you just hope that by the time you're ready for your book to come out, and usually with the book market, the orders come in from everyone from the direct market and a few chains orders trickle in. And you look and you see, okay, they didn't order, they didn't order, they didn't order, but I know this is something they probably want. Go and back. You have to go you back. Call, we'll call Diamond and call the sales reps and say, "Wow, hey, go now tell, this now this so and so over there that they didn't order this. Why not?" And they'll go, "Oh, they meant to order like 500 copies." Okay, <laughs> and then I mean, you just get and you have you to have stay, stay up on top it. of like, it. You have well, to like it came through. You know, we've sold, you know, the the uh, the Forgotten Realms fantasy books do phenomenal mm-hmm. for us. You don't see that stuff on the Diamond charts, but we've sold like over 40. 50,000 copies of that Forgotten Realms Homeland book. Wow. And it still sells. And, and is that mostly through the chains? Is that more through Borders uh, and Barnes and & Noble? It sells great everywhere. Comic shops keep picking it up. The bookstores pick it up. Um, but yeah, like one of the one of the really big chains didn't order any for uh, like one of the new issues coming out. And we saw it on there saying, what, what, what the hell? What's going on? <laughs> so we had to call and say, hey, what's going on? And they said, oh, they changed buyers. Like I didn't know to get it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so you have to watch out for that If you stuff. don't, yeah, if you wouldn't have noticed it. And uh, so, but the Whitley Stryber thing, <laughs> my Tom's all excited now. The yeah. one, you know, once I like started to get older and like horror movies didn't scare me or whatever, and I just <laughs> I went from being terrified of horror movies to going, that's just stupid, you know, it doesn't bother me. Uh, the one thing that still freaked me out was fuck was aliens, you know, because <laughs> they because they could be real. <laughs> and, uh, Watch out for those graves. Ghosts to this day, like ghosts, don't bother me or anything, you know. But, but, but the alien shit. I had a creeps me out. I was in grade school who was for some reason his dad was like in a like almost in some sort of weird cult. I think at some point in his life, but I mean I was too young to figure that out. But he was big into the Whitley Stryber stuff because a lot of it isn't just sort of the... It's sort of like Aliens plus some sort of New Age, a little bit... He has, well, he's got a website, Unknown Country, yeah, and it just reports on all kinds of crazy conspiracy stuff. Yeah, he's got his own crazy... Some of it's out there, and then some of it you're like, yeah. Our first guest tonight is author of the runaway bestseller, Transformation, The Breakthrough. He is Whitley Stryber. There is the book. It is published by Beach Tree Books, a division of William Morrow, and it is a continuation of his enormous bestseller, Communion. A continuation how, Whitley? 
Well, it's not really a continuation. What happened to me was, after I finally realized that this probably was real, I find uh, in the sense that they were another planet. Well, people, something that was non-human, that was intelligent, and that was seemed to be. I don't know from another planet. I I would guess so. Where else? I mean, but uh, uh, I turned toward it and I started trying to 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 challenge it, to get through my fear. And over a period of months, I formed a relationship with them that I believe could be a template almost for uh, almost as if they have one end of a phone and we've had two wires now if we start trying to have this relationship we'll have a phone too maybe so 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 transformation is the story of contact it's the story of an attempt at a relationship with them if they turn out to be real as I think they are then yeah it is a story of contact communion ended with what uh, with that they had invaded you somehow or well it, it, it ended with a series of speculations essentially about whether or not they were a physical reality and uh, transformation starts with uh, with and goes through the process of how I discovered that they they apparently are which well, just seems extraordinary to me even mm -hmm. now even as I talk to you but it, it does seem to be the case in how do you know you're not nuts with well, uh, when I was like eight years old, my friends like read communion, and you're like, oh. I was eight, and I read it, and then we watched the movie, and I didn't sleep. For I'm glad nights. I didn't. I, I didn't read the book, and I'm glad I didn't because the book's probably way more terrifying. It's horrifying, <laughs> man. I so this weird full circle life story. Uh, I was so I was setting, you know, I was already scared of alien stuff, and when the trailers came out for that, it was just this alien face staring at you. Yeah. And it was just fading. It was getting closer. And I'm thinking to myself, I never mentioned it. I'm just like, I'll never see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, but all we ever did, my dad was never into sports or anything, you know, and I don't really, I'm not really, so like all we did is like one of our big things is we always went to movies like every week. And uh, him and my stepmom got in a fight and uh, he's just kind of frustrated. He's like, I'm going to the movies. <laughs> and uh, I, he's like looking around and he's, I think I'm going to see this. We're going. I'm going to go see this communion. You don't know, let's go to the movies. And I'm thinking like, I don't want to go. <laughs> and then my stepmom's like doing dishes or something. She's like, just go with him. Just go with him. You have no choice. So like, I'll do dishes. I'll do dishes. I'll do dishes. <laughs> Can't you guys just so, talk it out? <laughs> you know, I, I went to go see communion and terrified and there's that one scene where everyone who's seen it knows Christopher Walken who's scary enough yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting in this chair in his bedroom and he hears something and this big giant black eyeball peeks out over the corner and then it goes right back it like yeah. it goes back into hiding and it's so terrifying uh, God, <laughs> you're frightening me again I, I know I, have, I haven't watched it since I was eight since I well, saw here's the thing <laughs> I there was so much. Gee, I don't think I've ever seen it. Well, I'm gonna have to go rent it. This could be a it. good happy ending though, because <laughs> I I didn't watch. You know, I I closed my eyes through so much of it. <laughs> Whenever he went on that ship, I just closed my eyes, or or I just didn't look or whatever. And uh, so once we started talking to, you know, talking about doing this book, I'm like, oh my god, this is insane. You know, <laughs> this is happening. And I went looking for it, and I couldn't find the movie anywhere. Not Blockbuster, not on Amazon.com. You know, crank. Did you try Crank? <laughs> yeah, Crank's Cave. I you might have had it. <laughs> I found it at Tower. So I went, bought it, and uh, I watched it. And the parts on the ship are so, so dated. And, I mean, it was it was done <laughs> low budget for the time. And now it's just ridiculous. So, 
the reason it was so terrifying was because I didn't look at it and I just heard the imagined. sounds and I imagined it. <laughs> so I just it's a thousand times having, scarier that way. Having an alien force himself upon me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's your own thing. Okay, well. <laughs> What's the matter, boss? What's the matter? Boss? Come on, shake it out. Come on. Very bad. Wow, that was a nightmare. What are you talking about? No, no, Dad. Huh? <laughs> hey, that was a nightmare. They had me, Dad. Nightmares do that, you know. Sometimes, I mean, they, they, if it didn't do that, then it wouldn't be a nightmare. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, whatever. All right, well, yeah. I, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, <laughs> go back a little bit. Now, this whole time that. Um, you know, you're working with you're trying to sell the that book. Alien's going to gonna be staring at you in our old Devil Zoo comics down our ads. Oh God! You have to actually read. I was we reading the mock-up on Zombie today, and uh, you get to the alien page where he's just staring at you, and you're like, ah, okay, no, never mind. Love and then the book. You're trying to read the page to the side of it, but you can't help but like look at it's gazing at you. If it wants to experiment on you, it okay. wants to experiment on you. Probe. Are, if, if we become very successful next year, you can probably. St- credit the aliens but we won't admit it <laughs> well you know what once you you know you're looking at a release date and 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 all of your marketing do you do you start there and then work backwards to develop a timeline on when you need to have all of the different pieces that that go into place to to get this project together is that how you um, do it ideally you do it the other way you say okay how far do we you know if we were to do the marketing right and we were mm-hmm. to really spend our time doing this when should the book come out okay but it does work both ways. A lot of times, you know, people will say, "Oh my, you know, okay, so if we if you're if it's a license thing, you know, can we get this out by you know, if someone were to come to us today like, "Okay, we got this thing we want to do. Can we get it out by July?" We'll say, "No." <laughs> because we're working on solicitations for July now. But what if we pay you more money? It's only March. You're like, mm, yeah. it still hurts, but no. <laughs> well, people don't, you know, people definitely that don't realize how far ahead the sales cycle is for it. Because, you know, it, it's not... You can put the whole comic book together, and even though that takes, ideally, you have a good solid, you know, three, four months to do that. Um, when you throw in that your your cover needs to get to Diamond, you know, just under five months in advance, pretty much, so that it can be circulated... Excuse me, I'm trying not to burp on uh, burp <laughs> yeah, on the mic. It's okay, this, it's a uh, brand new pop screen. Miller Don't High Life. Uh, down in, um, champagne and beers, my friend. Woo! Working man. Uh, Working man. <laughs> I distracted you. Where am I? <laughs> Where am what were we talking about? Oh my god, three hours just went by. All our watches stopped. <laughs> Dude, communion. You just re- all right. Enough about. <laughs> um, so the cover, the cover's got to be out five months in advance. So that you can get the diamonds so it can circulate, so they can, you know, put out the solicitations, so that basically, say, four months before a comic book is supposed to come out, you get the ad materials and all that stuff to the distributor. Two months after that, uh, vaguely or roughly, the previews catalog is going to come out, 
advertising the books that people can buy at the shop and, and retailers can place their orders. And about a month before the book's supposed to come out, you get all your orders in and you have just enough time to print it and get it shipped to the stores. So five months in advance, you need the cover. Is that a, is that the reason we see so many covers nowadays that have nothing to do with what's inside the book? Yes. <laughs> That's why you see so many of our covers that are uh, very conceptual. So, I mean, and but I mean, honestly, we do. It causes us to try to get the whole script written five months before the book's even supposed to come out, so that we at least know what the plot's going to be, so that we can do that. But sometimes it still gets crazy and. and uh, you know, especially if it's something, if it's a G.I. Joe book and we, we have a plot and we get a cover worked on and they'll approve the art and everything, and then later on someone comes through and says, you know what, it, from as far as approvals go from the licensor standpoint, we don't want this to happen, then you got to change something. Well, guess what? Your cover doesn't have anything have to do with that. We've anymore. decided that they can't carry guns anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> Norton, Norton told us some horror Don't You're not supposed to point guns at people in certain cases. <laughs> oh, okay. But apparently that Snick certain taste talk. changes every time. <laughs> We've decided that Snick, Snick guns can Yeah. Sometimes, for whatever reason, uh, Destro should not be honorable since he's a bad guy. And Zartan should not be so conflicted. And Yeah. <laughs> things happen. Things change <coughs> that are out of your control sometimes. Yeah. Well, that, that was. A, I, 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 I just need yeah. Zaymont and Tomaz wouldn't necessarily dress the same. <laughs> sometimes, you know, I, we never had that question, but you are such a nerd, Tom. Not, not, not a different, a different license, but some. You know, we've had someone say this character's not on model, and then you say. Okay, well, just go ahead and color it and send it back, and then it goes back, and they're like, "Oh, that's great." Perfect. So, <laughs> Perfect. or or a person changes, and then they, you know, thing is, you never know on the licensor's end who you're going to get that's approving the stuff. Is it someone that's genuinely a fan of the stuff? Is it someone that has any knowledge of the characters? Um, you know, are they uh, are they going having to a bad day? Exactly. <laughs> or uh, did someone just get yelled at and everyone has to really make sure they're doing something to uh, make sure it looks like they're doing their job? None of and it has it, anything to do with, with telling a story is what it comes down <laughs> to. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it, and that's I was going to ask you, you know, you're, you're working so far in advance, it's like how, in going back to someone trying to pitch you a story, trying to put together a package or working with a publisher, you know, it's, I'd imagine you really want to have that story, you know, tight as tight as you possibly can going into it. Now, obviously, the licensing brings, you know, a completely different aspect into it where where things can change. But how often do you run into an issue where, you know, the creative team is working on it and, you know, three months or two months before it's going to be released, they decide to change something or they want to change something. How does that, you know, work? That hasn't been too big of a problem <clears throat> or anything, especially, I mean, most of our stuff has been licensed or the, crea the, the stuff that's not is being handled by those creators and it's their project. So it's kind of, it is up to them what they decide to do with it. So uh, I think... The problem that comes up with the the non-licensed properties um, is that you know they don't frankly they just don't sell as much you know mm -hmm. so your budget's more restrained so you have if you have a problem or some complication on the creative side you really have to juggle you know okay is it worth it to how much can we really ride the creator to change something or to you know how how many how many times can we go back to them to tweak something or to make it work if there's only a certain budget within this project, you know, because eventually they, you know, and, and you can't, I'm not saying you can't do it, but you just have to, you're like anything, you got to pick your battles and, right. And, uh, 
so it goes in phases, you know, you try to like you know, hammer something until it's perfect and then eventually you'll back but off. But at some point it's, it's for a while, diminishing you, return or you, you just get to a point where it's not worth, you know, maybe the effort yeah. or it's, you But know, then so that goes back into you want to be proud of everything you put out sure. and uh, you know so, so it just depends on, and yeah. I guess that I mean that well, that kind of comes because you have to solicit something. So sorry to interrupt. No, that's good. Uh, you have to interrupt. You have to solicit something so far in advance. You know, if all of a sudden you've you got your script in, you get your covers done, you advertise something, and then an artist just disappears off the face of the earth, <laughs> or or like you know Xbox 360 comes out or something, <laughs> <laughs> then you know bane of all. Then you got like you know, and something gets extremely behind, then. If it goes a certain amount past due, like a month past due, you know, all of a sudden it's going to affect uh, the returnability of it on the sales level because it's going to hurt your sales. When something's through the direct market, it's non-returnable, which is the, you know, kind of catch-22. It's sort of one good and bad thing about the direct market is whatever whatever's sold is sold, and you know you don't have to worry about giving anyone any money back, but. If a book's extremely late, then it can be returnable, and it can take you 90 days to get paid instead of 30 days to get paid from the distributor. Um, so, you know, you might bite the bullet and decide, okay, we're going to allow, we're going to get someone else to jump on and help on the book, mm -hmm. or we're going to do this or that. And uh, it's, um, you know, it's a it, it's a juggling act. It's yeah. what it sounds like is that you yeah. have so many things that could go wrong at any time. You know whether it's from a marketing aspect, a sales aspect, a creator aspect, act of God, a, a licensing aspect. Yeah, I mean, act of God. You know whether it's shipping or whatever. I mean, there's so many things that could possibly go wrong to change yeah. the success of a book or, or, or lack thereof. So it's then you you know you like at the end of the day you're like, what the hell did my day have to do with anything about publishing about <laughs> about making a comic book? <laughs> you know, I, I was on the phone with four people. You know about you know <laughs> spreadsheet policies. and return policy and you know, so. That's when it goes back to have owning a company or or running a company, you know, is its own thing completely. Mm -hmm. So whether you're a comic book publisher or you're a florist or you're a you know dog walker or you know whatever your job is, or if you're a computer programmer uh, or you own the, not that you do those jobs that you own the companies or run the companies, all those jobs are very similar, mm -hmm. the same sure. set of responsibilities, and uh, so that's. That's where I get. I'm different than like having an editor in chief on board. Mm -hmm. You know, it just I actually come from a creative background, so that's it allows that's you to understand that process. You know, and 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 foresee some of those things. Yeah, and hopefully I can look at something in as far as it's all subjective, but look at something and go, yeah, that's cool. That's not cool. That's right. Lame. <laughs> well, I think when it comes Versus down to it, you're the one that signs. You know, signs off on it. You know, yeah. And that's that's yeah. you're the you're the last stop on that. Around comics, right? My bad. Around comics. I like girls. You know, uh, talking about um, getting things out on time and 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 
delivery and in previews and all that, one of the trends I'm starting to see is, especially in like miniseries, and we keep hearing this from a lot of writers and creative teams, they'll say, you know, we're doing a four-issue miniseries or a six-issue miniseries, and we want to make sure that before we solicit it, it's already in the can. And we're starting to hear that more and more all the time. That all has to do with how deep your pockets are. Okay. Marvel and So Marvel and DC, you know, they've, especially DC because of Time Warner, you know, they can really just sit there and, you know, it, let's just for easy math say it costs ten grand to put a comic book together, you know. <clears throat> so if you want to wait six issues before you do that, okay, before you start to, let's say you want to wait till you have five issues before you solicit it. Okay, 50 grand. Um, meanwhile, okay, now you're going to go ahead and solicit. Uh, so you've got... Uh, Let's just just for no more easy math. Say it's five grand goes into the basic ads and and uh, advertisements and posters or whatever you're gonna do. So meanwhile, it's gonna take you like four months to before that book comes out from the time you first solicit it. So there's twenty grand. Meanwhile, you just coo- you know added on another forty grand in a creative cost. You get ninety grand plus twenty grand, one hundred and ten grand. You know. If you, and you just don't even know down, before you, you even have a book, a book before it even comes out, yeah. and all that. If, as long as the book doesn't tank, you're going to get all that money back, and you're going to profit off of it. But you know, can you, you sit do. around and wait? You get out the cash flow. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. So, um, you know, it took us a while to get to the point to where, like I said, like we get those scripts right before they need to be solicited. So that's where we have the upper hand on a lot of um, companies smaller than us. You know that. They strive to do the same thing, but you know sometimes, sometimes other publishers they just make the cover and have the basic idea what the book's going to be, and then scramble to get the book done even later in the process, or uh, or you know if or you know if you have a project where someone's uh, if it's the project's going to be a total gamble, you just have someone working on the project on the more on the back end than on getting mm-hmm. uh, paid in advance. That's if the way to go when you're a smaller publisher to do it right is you get especially if you're trying to self-publish and just break in. No one's promised any money up front. You know, really, really focus and, on and how you're going to market it and push it and everything <coughs> and and get that stuff right. That's why I really stress in all the stuff that I wrote that there's no hurry. Everyone gets this sense, and, and we still fall prey to it sometimes, you know, even at DDPs. Once you have an idea, you feel like, Oh, I got to get it out. Got to get it out. Yeah, it's got to hit. No, the you stands. don't. There's no fucking reason why you have to get it out right away. You know, I mean, wait. You might wait a, if you wait a whole year before you even, you know, longer than you wanted to, but you do it right. Mm-hmm. That makes all the difference. You know, because once you start the process, you're stuck. You're going to be trapped doing it for months. <laughs> and the worst thing is to know that you just started off on the wrong foot. Now you're stuck doing it, and now no one wants to buy it. It's not like thing. there's an empty spot on the comic shelves that's waiting just for that book that yeah. people are going to notice yeah. that it's not. And there. you really just got to go into it. you got to be brutal with yourself. No one cares about your damn comic book. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I mean, it's just, just you're like, you got to have confidence in yourself, but you got to also say, like, no one gives a shit about this this idea I have. I have to figure out why they should and make sure that they know about it and, and do it right, you know, whether that's... Look at all your options, you know. If you're going to publish it yourself, what's the hook? What, how are you going to market it? How are you going to make it stand out from everything else? If Are you going to partner with another publisher? But even if you partner with someone like us or Image or uh, any other person like that, any other, I mean, company like that, you've, you've still got to find out how to pimp it yourself. Right. Because, you know, 
You should they can only to. do so much. Any you know, any yeah. any small publisher can only do so much for any book. Yeah. I mean, let alone one that they're so. looking at half the profit. The, the, you it's, know, it's the entertainment industry. You know, there's no, it's there's, it's not. You know, it's almost similar to like the music industry. If you're a band, you yeah. know, it's like you don't go out on a mini tour before you're tight, before you have something that people are going to enjoy, and yeah. you know, it's, you're not going to release a comic book before it's good. You know, I see a lot yeah. of parallels between you know, like independent rock labels and you know, independent comic publishers. It's yeah, and you've just got to uh, it, basically, yeah, the the jobs are already taken. You want someone <laughs> to go into like you're, you're trying you're going to push somebody this, out. If you go into comics or music or movies or anything entertainment wise, the jobs are taken. You you want someone to understand. You want someone else's job. Yeah. There's no opening. You're trying to take <laughs> someone else's job. Not, it's not like it's growing like gigantic. New jobs. Like, yeah. Everyone's there and they're all snuggled up and they're nice. You're you're basically looking for a house that someone already lives in. You're looking to just knock on the doors until someone's finally like, oh, I couldn't pay my rent this month and I got to move. And you're like, score, I got a place to live. <laughs> so I mean, and so what do you do? You ask for advice from and people you start in out the in industry, a, and you start out yeah. in a shithole and you eventually get to move someplace nicer. <laughs> All right, well, Josh, I uh, wanted to talk with you a little bit about how you juggle your labor. And and for a publisher your size, that has to be you know a constant concern. And you've talked about working with outside uh, creative studios, and I'm sure that you have. Uh, I know Tim Seeley is a, an in-house creator for you. And then I would assume that you work with a lot of freelancers as well. Definitely, yeah. I mean... Our main hub, like Tim's a full-time artist. We're looking at bringing um, a couple other people in for creative duties. Um, Brian Crowley letters all of our books. But the hub of our staff in-house is administrative. And, you know, whether that's administrative on the side of, like, doing, you know, HR kind of stuff or accounting or uh, the marketing, editorial, publishing, all that. Um the majority is outsourced because you never know how your publishing schedule is going to change from month to month. So, in, you know, it takes a handful of people to put together a comic book. So if you're putting together 10 books in one month, you're going to need, like, you know, 30, 40, or whatever people to put those books together. And, uh, you know, to bring that much of a staff on sometimes would be a little crazy. So, sure. I mean, pretty much that's how the comic industry's worked ever since FedEx came out. <laughs> you know, I mean, as soon as the, the creation of overnight delivery was invented... They went away from the bullpen formula, started outsourcing everything, and now with the internet, I mean, we'll get a submission in, and you know, we're just looking at the artwork, not knowing anything about the artist, and if we say, okay, that's cool, then you start talking to them, and you find out, oh, that guy's in Lumpur, Malaysia, mm-hmm. or that guy's in Rome, or okay, that person's down the street. You know, I mean, it's. Well, we're shrinking seeing, world. Yeah. Well, we're Definitely. seeing we're seeing a neat influx of uh, European and South American artists. I've noticed. It seems like a few years ago, a lot of Italians came out of nowhere, and then uh, a couple years ago, a lot of Malaysians came onto the scene, and then a lot of like it's it's almost funny. I don't know if maybe I'm just making it up in my head, you know, but it seems like you can almost tell when the country got the high speed access. <laughs> yeah, we should check South America for the high speed axe. You're just like waiting, like, okay, what's next? <laughs> There's some badass like artists somewhere in, somewhere in the former Soviet off. Union that's gonna start sending some cool it's stuff. Probably out. not too far off of the truth. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I'm mean, yeah. saying it half jokingly, but you know, I, I I don't have any data to back it up, but it's probably got some truth to it. <laughs> Absolutely, sure. You know, so well, I tell you, we we've gone over 
the pitch and editorial and and you know marketing. your guys' approach to marketing and how you solicit and you know you you putting these books together and you're you're balancing you know your labor whether it be you know pencilers inkers colorists letterers and we'll in, in follow up comics 101 episodes we'll go over a lot of those individually so kind of at the at the end there you have whether digitally or you guys don't do like boards anymore I'm I'm sure right we've actually uh almost completely weeded out people sending the physical pencils which is a big step um it used you know pretty much it's been the computer has been done for the lettering and the computer coloring mm-hmm. you know for years now but we would have the physical art sent to us and then we would ship it somewhere else to have the inker work on it um and then uh which you I mean that that definitely accumulates in price but you you don't want the pen unless it's a specifically a creator owned project you don't want the penciler to send it straight to the inker because the editor needs to look at everything, make sure it matches up with the script. Um, but now most inkers have the capability to just get the high-res files, print them out on their own printers. They'll print it out in like a blue line, blue line on the same size board that they need to draw the pencils on, you know, 11 by 17. And they can just ink right over the blue ink and the ink's not going to show up when it copies or scans. So... And then they just do it that way. So really revolutionized the the process of Definitely, of, yeah. of handing things off, yeah. and that's how you know the, it's, uh, we talked with Andy Parks uh, way back when, and he talked about you know the the evolution of comics and the the specialized tasks really came out of the need of getting a comic book out on time. It's you, an you, assembly line, is what yeah. it is, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and now you can do now the assembly line doesn't have to be. You don't have because if you're shipping FedEx, you don't want to send a page a day because it'll cost you a, a retarded amount of money. But you know now, you you don't have to wait for there to be 11 pages or 22 pages done. As soon as they're done with it, they can scan it, send it off. Think you could start working on it, so it can even shorten the assembly line process down even more. Sure. I imagine it also kind of shortens up like uh, problems. Or it can, you know, it you can like add to the slack time of the. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the poor colorist is the one that always gets it in the end, and they have to just you know they're always the one because. If the penciler's late at all, um, then the inker's got to speed up a little bit. And if the inker's late at all, you know, then it just accumulates and accumulates and accumulates. Fortunately, the letterer, you know, he can jump on it as soon as there's any kind of artwork. He can get started on it and then wrap it all up once it's been colored. But, uh, yeah, the colors are the ones that uh, will... They get pour screwed. One, well, pour one out for our homies. Shit colors. rolls down here. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone pour them for our homies. The colors. Well, and then you know, I've I've worked in in, in printing. You know, most of my you know, professional career as as a designer or art director, and it's the printers. Expert. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tomorrow, please. <laughs> no, I did say on a holiday in Express last night. We have an expert chime for when someone proclaims himself. <laughs> um, yes, but I. It, it, the printers that always kind of say it always comes down to the printer, and that's that's kind of where I want to I want to wrap up here. Is you you have a comic? It's you know. On, <clears> uh, yeah, CD. Even though it's probably FTP. It is now. all FTP now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Loaded up to the to your printers uh, FTP. Wh- what printers do you use, or what's that process like? Do you use different printers? Um, do you get proofs that you approve? Are you on press when that stuff? What's what's the whole printing process? Ideally, for you guys? first we like to do the theoretical ideal situation. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, you know, the book's all done, everything's ready to go. Uh, all the colors are are completed in the design departments, packaged everything together, made it look pretty, and then it gets sent off, uh, uploaded to the printer. They go ahead and uh, we set basically turn it into a PDF and we send it to them, and then PDFs pretty much print ready. They go ahead and they'll output a mock-up from one of their printer, one of their 
like whatever I don't know what they call those kind of printers, but uh, they sent us, sent us a mock, a big expensive mock-up. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. basically it's supposed to. It's our last chance to look at it and say, okay, here's any last-minute mistakes we catch, and if that happens, we have a chance to upload new files that are the correct versions, and then uh, they go to press with it, and it's, as soon as it's done, it gets. Uh, if you use one of the major printers like Kebacore that has a relationship with Diamond Distribution, Diamond will actually, they drive their trucks there every week. So, you know, Tuesday night, those books, they're usually printed over the weekend. Tuesday, they're all assembled and ready to go. Wednesday morning, they crack a dawn, you know. I'm, I think I'm, I think it's, like, no, it's Tuesday. One of those mm-hmm. days. <laughs> um, they're picked up, and then they're taken to one of the main warehouses and then distributed out from there to all the other warehouses. And then that's how they get out the following week, every Wednesday. So, uh what happens sometimes <laughs> is that, let's say, a book's late, but you're really trying to hustle to meet the deadline, <laughs> you might have, you know, 18 pages colored, but and you've got the whole book lettered, and, but you're waiting on those last four pages of colors, and or you're waiting, or if it's a licensed property, you have stuff ready to go, but it hasn't been technically approved yet. You go ahead and you send it to the printer anyway so they can get it on their schedule, get it moving along, and then when they send you their mock-up, you go ahead and you, you'll like put in some filler pages, you know, or you'll put in the penciled versions of the pages, then you go back later and you say, okay, here's the finished pages, or if the licensor comes back and says, uh, you know, you got to change this, this, and this, you make those changes, you know, while you're in a panic, and then, <laughs> and then you turn around and you send it back to the printer and the thing is, like, you do incur cost every time you do that, and, you know, you have to, you don't, if you do that to your printer all the time, then they're going to get sick of it, so you, you try to uh, decide, you know, you, 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 know, that, you don't want to do that, as, you know, all the time, every time, so ideally you get everything to them ready to go. But also, I mean, once you get working with uh, one or two printers, you know, exclusively, and you get the relationship going with them. They know you're going to send them stuff every week, and they know, like, okay, this person gives us uh, half a million dollars or a million dollars of business a year, or whatever it is, or, or you know, what they know you're a regular customer. If you pay on time, books, they like you. <laughs> then they're going to work with you, yeah. So it really comes to if you're a guy putting out a book, you just got one book, then, yeah, you're going to have to wait. the whole. F- you're going to have to do everything by the book the way they want it to be done, you know, because, frankly, if... You don't. They don't need your business. Right. So you, that's how you, you definitely have to start that relationship <coughs> off right. Sure. Now, do you have someone at Clubcore that either works for DDP or you guys hire out to do press checks to make sure that the quality of the books coming off the press is? is We've up never. To no, we don't do press checks. Okay. The the industry is just too hectic. To I mean, you do. There's periodicals coming out constantly, and you know, if it was a a book with selling 400,000 copies a month like a like a major magazine or something mm-hmm. like that then yeah we might might be worthwhile doing that but uh yeah we run things a little we run a little tighter ship here in the comic book industry <laughs> okay yeah. but you, you you get your proofs in you check those and it's like okay and they're i'm sure their press operators are are good enough to know yeah. that it's going to match this proof i mean well, like the closest thing we do is we get a f- physical that physical printout printed out proof that uh we have the option. We could just approve everything over FTP looking at the screen. Mm-hmm. But its uh, I don't know if it's uh, from having been raised, still being used to reading paper our whole lives, but I don't know what it is. I can look at something on a screen a thousand times, 
and not catch an error, and as soon as it's printed on paper, I see all these mistakes. It glows. Yeah, yeah. and I don't, I mean, I really do think that that's going to change. I think that if I had grown up from an infant, you know, reading, reading on, screen, on screen, that's what I'd be used to, but I, it's just some weird <coughs> thing where I just, I got to see it on paper to catch it. Do you guys actually get, uh, and I'm getting geeky and Paper nerd. You know, Tom, I've been in the printing industry longer than Tom. Where they're, like, you know, out of white as they would actually be printed on sheet or you get them assembled in Um, order. Usually it's it's printed, you know, on basically their equivalent of a regular, you know, laser jet printer. And they just make a mock-up for us. Okay, so you don't But, yeah, it's funny, like, every now and then you'll just get this, like... Press copy. You're like, okay. <laughs> they usually yeah. that, that'll come. That Huge doesn't happen. Forty inch sheet. That actually yeah. hasn't happened in a long time, but uh, yeah, that'll happen just uh, randomly sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for I don't know how many people know that when a when a book prints, it's got to be in an eight page signature. eight page yeah. signature. They call it, which just means you can only print in eight page groups. So your book's got to be twenty four pages or forty pages or thirty two pages, and then. They actually print it on a press where they print all those the eight pages on, or on one side and then the other pages on the other side, on a big giant like poster sized piece of paper and they fold it up a crazy way like like when you buy a map, you know and then they just somehow they cut the sides of it and magically it's a book. Don't ask. Don't don't <laughs> look behind the curtain. There's no mathematical formula behind it. If <laughs> anyone magical. ever gets has a chance to go through a printing <clears throat> press, it's, hey, it's a neat process. You run it through some so. unicorn, uh, ground up unicorn horns. <laughs> <laughs> and it uh, shows up uh, It takes in The pencil of uh, pixie dust is Those very Canadians. important. <laughs> <laughs> With their presses. All right, well, guys, I, I think that was about as quick an overview of concept to comic shops as we could. It was a, lo- a lot of information. I, I don't know if we answered questions or came up with a hundred more. We raised all new questions. All new questions. The best thing is when you ask a question that you didn't know you should have asked. When you learn, when you learn a question. <laughs> <laughs> Slow claps. <laughs> I was I hoping for a golf clap, but <laughs> I, uh, thank you. I did want to ask you about the book. Uh, uh, that you guys, that DDP put out, and you specifically put out the uh, the how to make com- or what's the, the title is how to uh, make how com- to self publish comics, not just create them. And it is available for four ninety nine at Pullbox Online. I actually bought it while we were doing the interview. Wow, yeah. it was that easy. Wow, you didn't buy it from Dark Tower Comics that hosts around comics. No, they sold him. out. Screw him. No, yeah. <laughs> It does sell out amazingly fast wherever they go. Right? <laughs> if you see what, one, uh, you can pay what, extra for it. What was the uh, the idea behind that as far as wanting to publish a book like that? I mean, beyond, you know, I wanting know. to sell I guess, something. I guess, but I don't know, whenever you get a bunch of knowledge crammed in your head, you kind of want to share it. But part of it is probably also wanting to articulate it for yourself, too, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You um, can go reference it yourself. And... <laughs> I knew there was a demand for it, definitely, because that's you know you're asked a million times. It's kind of sure. nice to be able to say, "Hey, here you go, you know, check this out." Um, I'm also a giant nerd for sort of autobiographical business books, you know, like <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> that's a yeah, boy, is that a niche? No, I, I was I'm Billy weirdo. Bean. And Since uh, I was like 14, I mean, if it was an interview about someone that was, uh, <coughs> especially if they're a creative entrepreneur in, in anything entertainment-wise. But even other stuff like, 
I read like Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography as a kid because it was about the story about this guy that came from another country and I set came up and I made and I was a bricklayer. I was a bricklayer. Fantastic about Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I was a bricklayer no. with my good friend. I noticed well, that books are not as good once they're extremely successful because uh, like I read Donald Trump's Art of the Deal. I really liked that book. It's a book about a guy who's like 27 years old and he's fighting with the mayor of New York City to build this hotel in the middle of town, and everyone's telling him he's crazy, and he comes from pretty well-off, you know, background to begin with, but still, it was an amazing story, and then uh, I read that new book, How to Get, I started to read the book, How to Get, and what was it? I don't know what the hell, it's not the one with Robert Kiyosaki, who, the rich dad guy, who's read some really good books, it was the one before that, right after The Apprentice came out, and that one's just like, here's what it's like to be a billionaire. <laughs> here's uh, this one time. Aren't you jealous? Rich, this one time. Make your first million, you know, and then I'll tell you how to make yeah, the Yeah, it'll be like, he has these things like, yeah, I, uh, I don't really need to sleep that much, so that really gives me an advantage, you know? Like, it's really awesome. I figure I get all these extra hours every week. I'm like, well, fucking good for you. What the hell does that have to do with helping me? I need to sleep. <laughs> I do need to sleep. Josh gets sleepy. But, uh, no, yeah, I mean, all those kinds of books. And I really did feel like there was a demand or a need for a book like that because when I was a kid reading things there were always how to draw books and things right. like that uh, other Chicago company guy Tony Caputo wrote a book on self-publishing probably 15 or so years ago and it was really good I mean, it, but it's the industry's changed so much at the time there were like 13 distributors uh, you know that internet was not <laughs> spoken of yeah. you know it and, and that kind of dawned on me too I really think you know I'm the only one that's published a book like that that talks about like PDF print, you know. Well, the interesting the printing thing, printing and, and, and bring. I mean, and I even talk about it in my book. I'm sure, like ten years from now, if I want to keep publishing, I'll have to change it to whenever PDFs don't exist and they use something <laughs> else. You know, I mean. Well, so. what, what I thought, you know, from from this one and, and the one that, that the follow-up book that by Tim Seeley is that, and even in just the titles themselves, it's not. You know, I own I own every book I think ever produced about how to make comics, how to draw comics, how to you know. But you guys went at it from a little bit different perspective. It wasn't just how to draw a comic book, but how to be a comic book publisher, or how to be a comic book artist, or how to self-publish a comic book. Not just how to make a comic. And and just from the title itself, it seemed like you were taking a different look at the actual, you know, what it takes to make these books on a day-in, day-out basis. Because yeah. everybody wants the simple answer. It's like, well, how do I'm I really, write a comic? Honestly, I, I'm genuinely surprised because I had my mind completely focused on the people that are going to want this. I thought there's enough people out there that want to publish their own stuff that are going to pick it up. What completely surprised me is how many people have come to me face-to-face -face at conventions and emailed me and said that they read the book and bought the book. And they have no intention or interest in publishing. They just wanted to read about it and <laughs> no see what, what was going on in that side of the business. And um, I made some jokes in it to keep them entertained enough, I wow. guess, to, <laughs> to read through it. So I think sometimes creative endeavors, there's like sort of a mystery behind how you make art into business. Yeah, I guess and so, I yeah. Like there's sort of, it's sort of interesting to read how to go about doing that. And I do get, I've been questioned before about how it was like a little... I guess PG-13 or whatever in the language and stuff, too. And I'm like, you know what? If you're not old enough to handle that, if you're not, I don't care if you're five years old. If you're not mentally capable to handle that, you're not ready to publish something. So. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get very far. It kind of yeah, sucks the audience. It's more R-rated in the publishing world, I have a feeling. And I, I didn't restrain Sealy on his, and I know he's a little crazier than I am, too. So. 
Um, there's that whole, there's like four pages where he just like tells you pretty much to go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we always have to have one. Oh, you're you're going to take my fucking job? <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> that's, I think that's chapter I three. I my apartment <laughs> and I'm going to stay in it forever. <laughs> reading, reading, reading interviews growing up though, the first thing they say to anyone about self-publishing is what's your advice? They're like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and there's no way to, you can't understand it until you're actually doing it. That's the same thing I want to say is like, my God, why would you do this to yourself? <laughs> and I think we, we are you gonna, they're like, are you going to stop doing it? I'm no. trapped, and I'm just doing the best I can to stay in it. Can't you, know? you see the look in my eyes? I'm like a desperate animal. We had that experience in New York when we were at the New York Comic Con. A, a younger listener of ours came up to our table and asked us, you guys have any advice about, you know, I want to start my own podcast, comic book podcast. Do you have any advice? And Chris and I kind of looked at each other, and we both wanted to say don't. Yeah. But we didn't, and we gave him advice. But it was just like, yeah, it's it's not nearly as you know, fun as maybe it seems of being. You know, I'm, I'm sure being a comic book publisher. Ooh, there's boo. so much work. There's so Ooh, much work. We have it so tough. That I don't know. Like I, I wasn't talking about us. Sound effect on. I wasn't talking about us. Or they have like a baby. They have actually a baby crying. And whenever they play a celebrity, uh, like, yeah, we had to work on set all day long, and it was really hard. Oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, At least they get paid. I Fuck guess them. the other yeah. thing is, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would be interested later on in, like, if, yeah, going back to the whole company thing, I'd have fun writing a book about running a company, running a comic book company, but honestly, it'd really be just a book about running any company. And, but, if and I was... Dilbert, Dilbert's already done that, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you can't top that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, if, uh... If I do eventually want to build on something, I mean, I honestly didn't think about all this stuff when I was first starting it, but going forward, it's like, okay, if I have potential to grow that into something else about, like, to go more mainstream, you know, I have to have some kind of hook myself. So right now, if I were to get to publish something, who gives a shit about who I am or what I have to say? It's going to be the people that want to self-publish comic books or they're just interested in comics. And then as that gets to be more well-known, then it helps possibly later on write something, whether it's the... The history of DDP. Uh, kind of like it could... I could... I'd like to write a book eventually, God knows when, but about running a business, but it's like the creative person's guide to surviving in the corporate world. Because I definitely, you know, I've always been business-minded and always kind of felt like kind of entrepreneurial and strive to, like, you know, again, I was a weird little teenager reading, like, business magazines and stuff <laughs> in between comics. Business nerd. What are you doing reading Wall Street <laughs> Journal, nerd? In between, like, bitching about some, you know, well, listening to my, listen to my friends bitch about some punk horrible. rag band selling out or something. So, <laughs> but what's frustrating is, you know, when I still encounter people all the time in big corporate, you know, life who... You know they've come about it a completely different way. You know they and and uh, there really are differences when you're trying to interact with people that you know. It's just I can't even explain it. You know it's like like it would take a book to go into it. Well, all. I think I think I'll you know for that book in the future. <laughs> you can download it at Blue yeah, I'd like you to. Uh, like if you want to place pre-orders for 2012, <laughs> yeah. there's oh. a difference between you know coming from it from um, you know you, you've learned. Lord, I know we've got we've got uh, Ghost we have, of DDP's past. Oh God, who's uh, here? No. Boo! Big tall Boo. hairy people. Oh Jesus! This is all about me. Chewbacca. It's all about me, not you. It's um. He's <laughs> <laughs> buying his books. <laughs> Mike Norton in the house. Um, Mike Norton bought a pug, a little puppy pug named Ninja. Ninja. Yeah, we yeah, all we know right. all about Ninja. Yeah, I don't know if people know he carries it around like Paris Hilton and a little <laughs> Spider-Man bag. In his bag. <laughs> yeah. 
Good thing he doesn't leave it it's in his car. It's a European carry-all, not a man purse. <laughs> I can't believe he could fit a pug in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, are we ready to, to wrap this one up? I had yeah. something else, but I, I can't remember. Well, I, I, we I, have a million questions. Um, Josh... Can you come back some sometime? Maybe whenever, you know it's far. Whenever, but whenever well, we're done. If you guys done. can book the ticket in the hotel. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. It's it's a it's a small hotel, out back. It's the bathroom of Dark Towers. They really just asked me if I wanted to come over and have some beers, and there were four <laughs> microphones here. Do you guys do a podcast? Uh, oh. Yeah, hey. Is this on? No, it's not live. No, just, we're uh, just, just talking. Like, like we're pretend. having a normal conversation. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to... They we're told gonna, me Mike Norton was going to be here. He's been waiting <laughs> two hours. <laughs> the line yeah, for Norton. You and, you and all, the, all the 16-year-old girls out back with their <laughs> copies of Runaways to get signed. Oh, that you hear boy, that just Did you hear them? <laughs> Poor Mike. Well, I, th- I think we're going to do this series of, of how to make comics, and we're going to get into the, the particulars. So maybe in a few months, whenever we're done with that, we can have you back and uh, and kind of sure. recap a little bit cool. and, uh, and hear what's Hopefully going on. Hopefully we'll be TV. too busy on set while Hack Slash is filming. That's but, you know, we'll Potato <laughs> with pajamas. Potatoes, <laughs> potatoes wearing underwear. Wearing underwear. underwear. You know what? Five years from now, I want that to be all over the Internet, and I want people to go, the fuck did that idea come from? <laughs> Where'd it go? I have no idea. The most like, pitched <laughs> idea of all time. Yeah, the next snake's <laughs> on a plane. So. All right, guys. Well, um, I definitely want to thank Josh for hanging out with us tonight and giving us a little insight into the very complicated process of what it takes to make a comic. So, uh, once again, we're going to have uh, an ongoing series and, and focus a little bit more on the spe- on the specifics of that. Uh, let's wrap things up. Uh, well, one last mm-hmm. thought. Yes. Um, underwear on a potato. <laughs> would presuppose potatoes wearing the, underwear no here's the thing though you could call it underwear and a potato and it's often the point of view of the underwear not the potato <laughs> well, yeah cause that would be much more interesting yeah alright continue uh, you know what tater panties would sell better tater panties now we're getting okay we're, okay, I'm sorry. Right, we're getting we close <laughs> another yeah, three about, four cases hook, of beer hook. and we got this figured out all right, folks, please uh, help us spread the around comics love. You can do that a few Tater different Panties, ways. Tater I think it's a John Waters movie. <laughs> Tater Panties. You can download our Listener LCS Challenge flyer at no, uh, aroundcomics.com. Ask your local comic Tainters. shop if, uh, if you will display that. Uh, you can become our virtual friends at comicspace.com. Might be the funniest thing I've ever or heard. Or myspace.com. <laughs> you can do my personal favorite. Leave us an iTunes music review at the iTunes Music Store. Be as cool as Andy Parks. Mike Norton. This is just the same Bryant, they warm and up. many others. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can check out all the great Every things. Every Friday you guys here. Just keep going. You can check out all the great things at aroundcomics.com as to offer. It's your source <laughs> when it's, for the best when it's up, when it's running. news, reviews, and opinions. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Find more great podcasts at comicspodcast.com. Just so everyone is aware, we post the next week's topic on Tuesdays or thereabouts on our forum at aroundcomics.com. Tune in next Thursday for a conversation with the man who killed Captain America. You sound like it's strangled of a bitch. <laughs> you asshole. Well, you obviously haven't been to some of the forums. That's right. We've got uh, uh, Ed Brubaker next week. So. But we're, n- we're not talking about Capitol. No, not that was it's, all criminal. it's all criminal. No, you know what? I'll, I'll, just go, I'll, I'll risk the you know the the uh, comment. Uh, I'll risk the consequences and say when Superman died, big deal. But who the fuck thought anyone would give a crap about Captain America dying in the mainstream press? When it comes to like I was a little surprised. CNN and all that stuff, dude. Because I, I was Spider- a little surprised. Spider Man, Spider Man, Spider Man dying, Spider-Man sure. dying huge. Even deal. Batman, because huge all the deal. movies, Batman, the TV yeah. show. 
But Cap, I was a little shocked at how many, um, how much of a response it got. Uh, I love Cap. Cap's freedom. one of my favorite. <laughs> Shut up. Well, I, I that might be part of it, though. It honestly, is, it, is it the is time of the country. Well, I, do, you know, I, do, I do hate evil. Media. <laughs> <laughs> do you hate evil, Josh? <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? Hates the worst evil. kind of terror is evil terror. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Borders. Borders has thousands of manga and graphic novels. In fact, right you'll find exactly what you are looking for and discover unexpected new authors and series simply by visiting Borders. Save in your favorite graphic novels, manga, and more. Click on the Borders banner at the Around Comics website for a 20% off coupon. Check Borders first. Find a store near you at www.borderstores.com or use the Borders store locator at aroundcomics.com. Nothing screams America like <laughs> supporting the Hero Initiative. Be a hero. Be, Be a an American hero. Yeah. Hero creates a financial safety net for yesterday's creators who may need emergency medical aid, financial support for essentials of life, and an avenue back into paying work. It's a chance for all of us to give something back to the people who have given us so much enjoyment. For more information, visit www.heroinitiative.org or call 310-909-7809 and tell them Tom told you to call. Uh, <laughs> and get a free... <laughs> get, get tote bag. Tote bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, I would like to thank everyone for joining us today. Josh, it was, uh, it was a pleasure. Um, thanks to Mark at Dark Tower for hosting us like he does every Friday. And the pizza. The pizza was actually very good this week. Eh, I don't know. No? Eh. I liked it. Okay. It okay. had cheese and sauce and crust. It, I mean, it wasn't horrible. I eat. I ate it. it obviously, better than St. Louis. That makes oh a good. That makes a good there. pizza. <laughs> All right, There's everyone. Pro Bell. Everyone have a fantastic <laughs> weekend. We'll be back again on Monday with another new episode. In the meantime, in between time, we'll be everywhere in <laughs> and around comics. Self-publishing. <laughs> like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the contact us section of our website. Music for the show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and do not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next time, and the panel will change, but our mission will stay the same bringing you the very best news, reviews, and opinions in and around comics. Around Comics is a Pipe Dream production. Copyright 2007. All rights reserved. Okay.